if you're not happy where you are, maybe you need to make some, make some changes. Like this is a great opportunity that we're in right now to transition for anybody. And I think a lot of people are realizing that. And in that transition, just a reminder to listen, listen to your heart, listen to your heart. This is Katie and I'm Laura and welcome to the Radical Resilience Podcast. Hey, Katie. Hey, Laura. How are you? I am fantastic. Recovering after a super exciting weekend. I know. I was following you and Josh on Facebook. He was much better at posting from the wilderness than I was, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm catching up. He's already like posted our entire trip. Uh, I, uh, for those of you, for our listeners, uh, my boyfriend and I were hiking and um, doing some big wall rock climbing in Romney, New Hampshire over the weekend. And that was a really big wall. It's a huge, huge area. Like they've bought so much land and there's so many cliff faces and it's like there's super tall walls and there's shorter walls. There's st- something for everybody there. There's like beginner kinds of stuff all the way up to like one of the, like I think the hardest climate east of the Mississippi is at Rumney. I think there is like a one five fifteen there and, uh, it's kind of a monster, but it is, it was so fun. And, um, and, uh, we had a, just like, it was refreshing to be in like chilly, chilly air in a rustic campsite with, with some friends that had like a camper van. One of those things called like a Westie. Yeah. (laughs) you know, I know you haven't asked me how I slept last night, but let me tell you how I slept last night. <laughs> I slept so well last night because it was like cozy and warm, but I actually slept really well over the weekend too, even though it was like in the thirties, super cold, we're in a tent. Um, but all my new camping gear was really like awesome and all, everything just could have worked out better. We had an absolute ball. And so I think like, while I've got like re- rejuvenating sleep, over the weekend, last night, I had like that deep, like back to your own bed, heat is on, you know, pillows are soft and no campers next door to you are making noise kind of sleep. <laughs> it was really, I had a great three days. <laughs> uh, where'd the dogs stay? They were with uh, our friends having so much fun running around on a baseball field and getting to go on lots of walks with lots of cuddles and... Uh. Yeah, they had a good time with uh, Auntie Liz and Uncle Matt. (laughs) How'd you sleep last night? Mixture. Like physically rested really well. Um, But I was like getting sad because I know my dad wants to go back home and I don't know like where I want to be or what I want to do. And then I started crying (laughs) through the night because I was like, I've never, I've always loved my parents so deeply and like they're my best friends, but just knowing I've never done something so crazy. My dad was like, what if we just go do, like my dad hitchhiked across America and I wanted to do it. And he was like, that's not safe. So then I hiked across America and that was like safer. And then my dad and I was like, what if we just both go and make a cross the country adventure called the 3D tour, a dad, his daughter and her dogs. So Obi Rebel, my dad and I did it. And it was meant more to me than I even imagined. And I already, like before I left, I already was like, I'm so lucky to have this opportunity. Some people don't have their parents and like can't do it. And so I already was in like a really great mindset about it. But then, so my sleep was really hard because I knew it was like one of the last nights we'll have on this adventure. Um, And so that was hard, but I slept really well because I was, I've been like exposed from (laughs) 4am 
to like the middle of the night in nature constantly for a week. And Utah um, has like stolen my heart and my soul. And I love it there. Um, and I don't think you can't, I don't think you can have a bad night's sleep sleeping, even in a minivan with a dad and your two dogs <laughs> in the back. It's cozy. It's warm. Um, and it was 26 degrees. And you know, I don't like cold. So for me to say that it was still paradise, that's saying a lot. I guess so. And so where are you now? So you've been trekking across the country in a van with dad and dogs and daughter. So where where are you today? We were supposed to go to Arizona and do um, Grand Canyon and Sedona and stuff because Sedona and I, me and my dad have done Sedona multiple times and mountain bike there a ton. But we were going to meet one of my cousin's kids who's 20 and she just got COVID and she's in the hospital and her boyfriend and everyone that we were supposed to meet, all they did was go back to school. They're at Grand Canyon University. And I guess there was a huge outbreak. So now we're just in standstill and going to figure out what's next. So you're in Utah. Yeah. I'm so sorry about your family member. That is really hard, but I, it's at least you're in a safe place. But I'm in Utah. You're in Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Look. Tell for the listeners. It says it's Arches sweatshirt. And let me tell you this, the woman's sweatshirt was $58 and the little girl's extra, extra large was $16.99 and it fit. <laughs> saving money. Not that it's about saving money, but I, I like, I love that just because it was the same sweatshirt. You could be like, oh man, you're like, I just love that dress that you're wearing. And then you say, I love it too. I got it for $5.99 on super duper sale. And suddenly it's the best dress ever. Like it, that's just the yep. rules. That's the rules. And I'm so excited to be doing the podcast because the whole taking taking the week off and being able to do stuff with my dad, um, uh, you know, obviously there was vet stuff and stuff like that, but uh-huh. it's, I'm so excited to be back because I love hearing everyone's stories. And so that was also at night, like last night I was up thinking about it because one of the people in particular who's going to be on this show, I've never met in person, but I followed forever. And like, and I don't know, I was trying to think of why we're connected. I think it's my friend a guy, Josh, that we both know. So I've been like stoked to just hear more of his story and stuff and not just follow him on social media. I feel like that is the theme of the podcast. People, Katie has stopped on the internet and it's a good thing you follow great people because this has just been an exciting ride. Um, (laughs) But this person I didn't like randomly find. So a guy that we both know who also loves like outdoor adventure and outdoor living and stuff like that. He put, he put us in touch. I see. So this is like not random stocking. It's, it's like connected stuff. Intentional stuff. Intentional stocking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's stocking with a referral. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that sounds so, I'm so excited too. I've been looking forward to connecting with you again. And this is always just the best part of my week. So why don't we take a break and uh, let our listeners know about some really cool projects that we have going on that they can participate in for right now. And when we come back, We'll bring on our super awesome guest, Tyler Wood. Life is always happening, nonstop, every moment. Things either feel as if they're coming together or they're falling apart. When you're on this wild ride, the falling apart moments can feel like the end of who you are. But with the proper skill set, these circumstances that break us down become the moments that awaken us, build our strength, and cause us to grow. To prepare your skill set, I created the Revolutionary Resiliency Course, challenging yourself to go within, dig deeper, make discoveries, and learn while being guided through the exercises in Soulwork. Together, we will build resilience that is not just radical, but revolutionary. 
Visit our website, RadicalResiliencePodcast.com to get started. I love you and I'll see you there. And we are back. For over a decade, Tyler Wood has been exploring the world while working as a seasonal outdoor professional, guiding everything from camping road trips to kayaking to volcano expeditions. The main motivation behind it all, personal growth. Dozens of new beginnings, unexpected tragedies, and the inherent lifestyle of it all has continually pushed his comfort zone as a young adult. Perhaps the biggest of these tragedies was in 2014 when a car accident in New Zealand left him in a coma, a coma that 90% of people with the same brain injuries were never lucky enough to escape. After a truly miraculous recovery, one year later, he raised over $10,000 for brain injury survivors by hiking continuously from Mexico to Canada along the Pacific Crest Trail. This set the stage for one of the most dynamic and challenging expeditions of all time. In October of 2018, Tyler walked out of his parents' front door in Northern Indiana and didn't stop until he got to the bottom of South America. One and a half years later, he's back and ready to tell the tales. Ladies and gents, Tyler Wood. Yeah, Tyler. Hey, everybody. Hey, Katie. Hey, Laura. Sounds like we are three peas in a pod, right? (laughs) I know. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you, Katie? I'm doing good. And where you're you're in Colorado? I am in Hotchkiss, Colorado. Yeah, one of my favorite areas, the western slope of Colorado. So 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 beautiful. You just traveled as as I heard through yep. uh, Grand Junction. So I'm happy to be there. That was actually my least favorite part of Colorado was Grand Junction. Well, yeah, the western slope is one of the most like geographically rare the start the top of the grand staircase i just love the formations yeah um, where the mountains kind of come to the end on that western slope so cool wow. <laughs> so well we're so excited to have you thank you for agreeing to to do it i've followed you forever like on your journeys and social media and stuff and to be able to dive deeper is super i'm i'm like super excited to just ask questions and get to learn more because i don't like that some of it i've just like assumed or, you know, like you, you just kind of fill in the pieces yourself. So I'm really excited to just talk and get all these listeners and people get to know you and hear your story because it's incredible. Well, I've been keeping up with you too, Katie, and you are incredible as well. So ah, love <laughs> my resilience warriors. Um, so before we dive in, um, there's a question that we ask every single one of our podcast guests. Um, we'd like to start out with talking about the name of our podcast, actually, we've called it Radical Resilience. And we chose those two words partly because they spoke to both of us and as individuals, but then when we kind of mushed them together and thought about it, the idea of radical living or, or a radical idea is something that is, you know, really unique or very individualized or just out of the path of what most people do. And then resilience, that, that thing that pulls you through or that sees you it, through moments in life that would, that, you know, can knock you sideways or knock you down and how do you get back up? Um, and, and, you know, when we put these two ideas together, we were like, oh, this is like something special because um, every single guest is unique and their relationship to resilience is unique and they're each radical in their own ways. So we would love to hear from you how those two words land for you, radical, resilience, and when you put them together, um, as you reflect on your own life, like, what comes up for you? 
start with the first word, which is radical, in a radical way. I think, as you were telling me earlier, Katie, there's so many, especially in this self-help world, ways of therapy, ways of, uh, you know, doing it. And for me, outdoors is the main tool. Outdoors and challenge. It's kind of what I what my base was in Outward Bound Australia is where I started my outdoor career. And in Outward Bound, challenge equals growth. And we use the outdoors as a tool. I've pretty much taken to that that to the extreme. <laughs> as, <Yes. laughs> so but I do I do find so much value in doing these long, long, arduous journeys. So that's how I would define radical. And then resilience or not how I define, that's what I have to say about radical. And then resilience, of course, in these long journeys, there's just so many, momentum is everything, right? So for a journey that's a year and a half long through 14 countries, um, I also came back home three times throughout the journey and I still managed to pack it into a year and a half. It was an, extre- it was an extremely challenging year and a half for me. and. As far as resilience, a big thing that got me through and let me stay resilient was the vulnerability that I put myself in throughout this journey. Seeing the beauty of humanity, a trip like this to me is one of the best ways to bring out the beauty of humanity. To put yourself out there and whether you're freezing cold at a boat ramp in the the middle of Mississippi or you know, you're just looking for a ride across the Gulf of Mexico. Like, it's incredible how people can propel you uh, and and help you with your resiliency. Uh, just because a lot of the listeners don't stalk you like I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you keep saying this journey for the year and a half. I know exactly what you're talking about, but Laura and the listeners might not. Can you just kind of tap into what that is? And then we'll go, you know, we'll go backwards in your life, but to just explain what you're talking about right now. So on October 8th, 2018, I walked out of my mom's front door. I kayaked, I uh, walked down to the, I live by the Wabash River. I kayaked from Northern Indiana, a couple hours South of Chicago, all the way to Houston, Texas, uh, continuously. So, and then I walked up and down every marina in Houston until I got a ride across the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I sold my kayak, bought a bike, strapped the bike to the front of the sailboat, put it underneath the dinghy in the front of the sailboat and barely survived across the Gulf of Mexico, but made it. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) When I got to Mexico, I didn't really know how clue how to put my bike together, but eventually I got it together after a few days and I rode my bike 4,000 miles from Mexico to Ecuador. On that journey, I was driven to the edge of insanity and I sold my bike and then I decided to hitchhike like 2,000 miles through South Ecuador and nearly all of Peru. I hitchhiked 100%. Um, And then I booked after that from pretty much the border of Peru. I've got a, a bus 17 hours before I started the Greater Patagonian Trail, which is kind of the most unexplored and long distance trail in the world. That that it was such an incredible experience. Um, my ex partner actually joined me for the Greater Patagonian Trail as well. 
which added a lot of different uh, parts to the journey and the challenge. And she wasn't an outdoor person, right? Like you're a professional in that. She wasn't. Okay. Nearly no experience beforehand. I feel like that puts an extra burden on the, on you. It was extremely challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then what, what brought you home? Was it COVID? Literally I was 100 miles from the finish. 100, which was El Shao 10 Fitzroy, like the picture of Patagonia that you see when you look up Patagonia. That was always my planned destination. I was 100 miles away in uh, Chile and my destination, Fitzroy was in Argentina. When COVID hit, all the borders closed. I couldn't go. And I booked within 24 hours of getting off the trail and having no clue. I had everything booked for the entire trip home. So it was an extremely, well, it was kind of a surprise ending. I kind of saw it coming as well. I had got a couple messages on my Garmin inReach um, from my mother. So at least I still had a chance to, you know, really, really savor that last section. Really, really savor because the beauty was just unlike anything I've ever seen in my life ever seen my life down there. It's truly one of the last uh, frontiers. I would compare it to like Alaska or something in the United States, just true nature. Do you think you have some post-COVID plans to knock out those last, those last few miles or are you complete with the journey at this point? That's a, that's a great question. I've gotten, gotten that quite a bit. And you know what the, the thing is that when it happened, I really did not care about the ending. I had come so damn far. It was almost 14,000 miles by the time I finished in total. And 100 miles and seeing one more thing just really didn't uh, matter too much for me. And if you want me to be honest, I was, I was truly on the edge. I was very, very much struggling toward the end of this journey. So, yeah, it was an abrupt ending, but uh, everything happens and, and I made it. So. Yeah, <laughs> complete. Yeah. Complete. This has. I. I mean, I could. I could have been taking notes because it brought up so many things. It's funny for every guest we've had. I have a whole list of prepared questions based off of like what I want to know about them, what I want to pull out of them, and stuff. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just rolling with him because I know. But so when you said that, like when you first, when you said that you're on the edge, like when you felt like you're on the edge, which I completely understand. I am that way just with mosquitoes and ticks. As I said, multiple Uh, times on this journey. Yeah. Multiple times I was. What does that like, I guess, what does that feel like? And what do you feel like tapping into? And then I, then I want to go back to like where your resiliency began or where you like first developed your relationship with it. What tools or what happened for you to get out of that space? Cause you said multiple times and I'm sure for multiple reasons, sometimes you were solo. Sometimes you, you know, you had someone with you and I'm just curious what that, looks like because to know that you're on the brink like that would be you you're like you literally have nothing except you you are your only tool so what did that look like so i had a like a few setbacks uh i would say the one of the first major setbacks was uh physic physically i was i had three parasites and tapeworm eggs um i had eaten a lamb and cooey with a beautiful family on the Ecuador, on the equator in Ecuador. I stayed with this family for a month and they fed me delicious food. But unfortunately, I think it was a little bit uh, infested with parasites. Don't eat guinea pig. It's dangerous rodents. I was still riding my bike 20 miles, at least uh, through the Andes mountains. 
I mean, as you know, Katie, the gut mind relationship yeah. is, <laughs> is real, is real. And so the thing was, I was riding my bike 20 miles a day. If I got off the main road, I would get chased by 30 dogs a day. And then if I'm on the main road, I'm in traffic all day. The vulnerability of that bike trip through Central America pushed me to the edge because it was nearly every other day that, you know, I'm bending over to, I see my shoes untied and I lean over on the side of the road to undo it. And then the semis passing a bus in the shoulder. And if I don't stand up, I'll get my head decapitated or whatever. So by the time I got to Cuenca, Ecuador from Mexico, I'd gone through a lot of, a lot of, a lot of traffic, crazy cities like Medellin and Panama City. And I was screaming, screaming at the top of my lungs every 20 minutes riding the bike and screaming, just doing anything I could to get advice, digging old cigarettes out of ashtrays and smoking a butt because I'm, I, I'm so unsteady in my mind. What helped me after this was the Vipassana, uh, Vipassana meditation retreat. I got to Cuenca, Ecuador, and three days after, so I got injected double IV bags and antibiotics and everything. And then I went to 10 days silent retreat, which is a Vipassana meditation retreat. It was my third one. It has helped me for since my brain injury six years ago to really get comfortable with these, I don't know what, whatever demons in your head or, or these, these things going on in your head, it really, really puts it into perspective. What's important when you spend 10 days in your mind to yourself and you feel that pain. Yeah. You feel you're forced to feel it. And I was able to work through some stuff in this Vipassana. I also did ayahuasca directly after the Vipassana. And then a friend got hit from behind by a truck and died while he was in Peru. So that all transformed my journey to selling my bike. And that's kind of how I got out of that rut. And then I guess I'll skip to the end here. There were some other setbacks and, and everything like this. And very much similar at the end, I finished and me and my partner had a very, very rough falling out after what I considered to be a very intimate experience that I genuinely poured everything I had into. It was a heartbreaking end, but I, I have been allowed because I was at my mom's uh, for, I think, about four, four or five months after the trip ended. I was really, really able to work through this trauma, work through why I had gotten into that relationship and why I stayed in it the entire journey. It was an amazing amount of energy and as much of a challenge as the journey itself. So this transition has been extremely rough for me, but the value in these moments is not something the hot hopscotch passed. So um, extracting value and meaning out of these traumatic instances, whether it be heat exhaustion, parasites, heartbreak, anything like that, kind of forces you to take care of yourself or not, or not. Yeah, I could see it going either way. I actually, while you were talking, I was like, what made you, like what part of you, what part of Tyler without me, like, you know, being someone who watches that can like guess, what makes you not quit when you get to that point? 
what makes you just be like, okay, I know that right now I have to ride the bike. I'm screaming every 20 minutes. I'm doing all this stuff. Like all this stuff is happening. You know, the stuff is going on with your ex, um, all that. Why? And then you, you, I mean, you shared that you realized it wasn't about the destination and how Laura said it, you felt like complete, like it, you don't need to go back and complete that. So if you, if, and then maybe you didn't have the clarity at that moment that that's how you felt, but at what point were you, I guess I just want to know what drives you to not just say like, okay, that's enough. Like, or this is, this is enough. Like, how do you know when to push versus like, is it not like insanity pushing you, you know, but like what, how do you gauge what you do? Because there's, there's such an incredible resiliency to you from what I've known. We haven't even talked about your traumatic brain injury. Like I, I want to get there, but just, just to be in that moment, it would be so much easier to just say, okay, I've done. And like, look at all I've accomplished and now I'm losing it. So what, where, how do you gauge that? And what pushes you And Is, is that resiliency or was it an element of just like, you know, that are you obsessive and you have to finish it or what is it, does it come from resiliency? What part of that made you continue in those moments? Well, you know, I really don't think it was either obsession or ego. What I think propelled me through these moments is just kind of what I learned in Vipassana through so much time observing these, maybe not so nice sensations in your body. Um, but once you have it in your head, experientially that you know that this too shall pass it's always going to change then you're much better off and then it's amazing how after after this trip it was kind a lot of the motivation i think it and why i love this so much it's because what i've it's what i have found to sort through my own stuff my own dramas everybody has their thing whether it be art or walking across the planet or whatever and it's truly it's truly my outlet these sorts of adventures do i do i think that i would have been happier going back home no no i don't i really i really don't think so on these on these trips is where my mind and i'm just the most vibrant i i i, I can be of course it's a roller coaster but as you might have heard in my TED talk five years ago, Katie, I don't know if you listened to I that. I have, I have. But the last words are the darker the road, the brighter the light, said by an incredible brain injury survivor that will be lucky if he ever gets to hold the hand and love a girl ever again. Like these things that we all keep, the things that we, we all take for granted with traumatic brain injury it's 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 not the same and there's there's millions of people across the world that are stuck with this and a lot of people that don't even have that aren't in wheelchairs or that aren't visibly disabled but this is this is a closed closed head injury it's a it's 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 the real deal and um can you share with everyone what happened it, well hold on i, I just want to to capture one thing before you tell us what happened is what I'm, what I'm really hearing and what you're saying is that these moments where you're physically pushing yourself to the limit, not only give you opportunities to really flex that survivalist or resilience muscle of like, it's an opportunity, uh, it's an opportunity, right? Like to be just purely in the moment. Yeah. To, to everything else in the world falls away. The only thing that matters is right now. And the conversation that you're having with yourself right now about moving into the next moment and then into the next moment, knowing that each one is temporary. Um, yet it's, it's like presence with 
knowledge of how to move through into the future. And that that's not only become the way that you survive these adventures, but that continuing to, to do them and push yourself is the thing that when you come back to life at your parents, you know, with your mom or in, in Colorado where you are now, um, or when you, when you then are able to stop and reflect at everything that, that has happened, that that muscle is strong to help even then, okay, like how do I move into the next moment? And, and so it's, it's these opportunities to flex muscles that it sounds like you're going to tell us are going to have, you know, are the things that created survival for you, not just through adventures, but like in life period. Mm-hmm. And not just a bandaid. Right. No, no. It's like strong, like for like a gym. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to get in there and give myself an operation. And I've done a 10-day silent retreat in Joshua Tree out here. I And I I mean, you know, I've gone through hell, trauma and medical and all different things. I thought that was one of the most painful experiences for me. 10 days of me being quiet is is hell for me. <laughs> and then like you, you don't realize how many vices, how many things you reach to. You know, like I'm like, I'd much rather this whole past week just doing the hikes and stuff. Every single time I came out and everyone was like, you're glowing like strangers, like, Oh my God, look at her glowing. Like she's, it, it does, it heals me to like push, to be out there, to be in nature, to be like moving. But that silence was, uh, I mean, you couldn't cover anything up. You couldn't just, you know, you can't hide anything. It is, <laughs> come on, uh, it is terrifying. Laura, I don't know if you've done one. You should do it. It's great. It's it's a 10 day retreat. It's free throughout the world. It's probably in like 50 different countries, Vipassana meditation retreats. Um, yeah, 10 days. Focusing on the sensations in your body. Everything, every, every, every emotion or fit we have arises from a little sensation in your body, a little sensation. So if you can, if you can observe these sensations, you're probably going to be better off regulating your, yourself. What happened? Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't know yeah. how Josh connected us, but I, I do know like of your, of your injury and stuff. Were you like always an outdoorsy person and resilient like before and then what happened with the accident and then how did that shift your life and like or shift your relationship to resiliency because I know like Laura and I have a ton of conversations where I can have one area of my life like chronic illness I've like I'm a professional I you know I do all this stuff but then there's like when I dealt with all the infertility it was new and I wasn't as strong my resiliency muscle there isn't the same and stuff so what did you have before what happened in your accident so my accident was April 24, 2014. I was in New Zealand. I was up here. I was having the best freaking time. I just uh, had won a main event boxing match. I'd done a triathlon. I'd been training for a few months in the awesome town of Franz Joseph in the West Island, which has a town with three to 500 permanent residents, super small on the West coast of the South Island. And it is a party paradise. <laughs> so when I got uh, finished doing all this hard stuff, like the fight and everything like that, I was ready to get back to, uh, you know, partying, lust, hookups, spinning fire, whatever else I was doing out there. And um, I don't know whether it was because of previous brain injuries, but when I got from the boxing match that I fought in, it was against a 40 year old hardworking farmer kiwi that hit like a freak of nature so he white roomed me three times in this fight whereas where you get hit so hard you can't you can't see anything but white i still won the fight i just outboxed him 
but um when i went out and celebrated after i made the decision to try to drive home i lived uh, about 20 minutes away on the beach and uh super late at night monsoon rains i'm talking like super super if you've ever been in a pacific island rain it is heavy um i ran off i ran off the road and was trapped in the footwell had to get cut out of the car and light and helicopter evacuated and induced into a coma over the helicopter flights. Um, thank goodness I, I came to within, within 24 hours of the coma. Yeah. I, I, I woke up not knowing where I was, not really remembering much with no short term memory and a man, some big, uh, big mood swings, big mood swings. That's kind of the story of my brain injury. I have a question um, as someone who has been sick and stuff. Do you ever feel like you carry uh, like weight about stressing out your parents? Because <laughs> I, I would feel like having a kid that has your your way of like taking on the world would be extremely terrifying at times. I'm an only child. And when I came home in sixth grade and I told my mom, and I was going to Colorado and then I moved out there on my own when I was 19 and I didn't have a job or a place to stay at that point in time. And, uh, that was, I mean, it started, I started breaking her in when I was 19 <laughs> and slowly kind of worked my way up until, yeah, I'm going to go around the world. She wasn't necessarily, she was worried when I was on the river she was worried throughout the entire time. My mother. <laughs> well, that's part of her job, but I would, I was, I'm just so curious if you're part of your resilience did, was modeled by, by her or something, you know, because I think that would be incredible. Laura knows my mom panics like for everything. So I couldn't, I, mean, I was worried about you. Like I love you dearly. And I was just like, Oh my God, is he going to be okay? Like, is that country? Okay. Well, you know, and stuff like that. And I can't imagine your mother. I've thought a lot about this and this resilience thing, um, being an only child and growing up with not one, but two, but three alcoholic parents going outside and spending some time outside building forts. It became my, my happy place, you know, yeah. um, I could be by myself out there and I feel very much comfortable out there. Yeah. Emotionally rock solid, much more in nature. So even before this injury, you had, you had, you know, a, a strong connection with outdoors as being the place where you're more grounded, the place where you find yourself, the place, you know, to come back to. And so, you know, I, th I think it's really interesting. You described yourself as like mood swings, you know, you so you wake up, you come out of this and like, it, you know, grumpy guy, you don't see like, and, and then here you are today. So was there a moment in there where that shifted? Like, how did that happen? How did you get from then grumpy? Like, cause it doesn't sound like I had this accident and then I woke up and was a better person. Like something, it sounds like there was some work to do after the accident. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that, that, that's with the, with the, with the grumpiness, um, my mom flew out to New Zealand right away after I got my injury. And when she, one time she came in the room and I was like, F you, you freaking burda, 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 burda. And really mean, really mean. And then she would leave the room for just a minute and come back in. And I'd be like, hi, mom. I love you. I miss you. I miss you so much. Some um, 
very, very, very apparent short-term memory loss. Um, as far as the mood swings, like if you talk to me while I'm trying to walk, you never really view walking and talking as much multitasking or looking at you and talking or, you know, smelling something or hearing something on the background. Oh my gosh, that would, that drove me crazy. And if you're trying to talk while I'm walking upstairs or something, mm -mm, mm -mm, I wasn't having none of that. So I would say the mood swings, they were worked, worked through on the Pacific Crest Trail. And again, I, again, I think, I think that it comes out in very extreme circumstances, but it is part of my own shadow, I guess you, you could say some of this anger that I need to work through. Um, it's not just because of the brain injury. It's not just because of this and this and this and this. It's a yeah. lot. Of, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of, uh, things. And through my brain injury recovery process, as I viewed the entire outside world, I was like, wait, everybody's got their own shit they're dealing with. I'm in the yeah. same spot as everybody yeah. else. Yeah. So that's kind of when I stopped classifying myself as this or that I don't define myself just like you don't define yourself by your digestive issues Katie I don't define myself by this but it is a very integral part of what has made me who I am today I feel like what I'm hearing is like it almost became an opportunity to take a look at like a forced opportunity to take a look at everything that had been going on and like because you had to deal with recovery from a physical injury that also came with a whole host of emotional things as you started the process of working through it suddenly you're looking at like everybody going oh my god I had these problems even before now I have to deal with them and like I'm gonna do it by getting out on this trail or going to a silent retreat like both of those things what I think is so interesting and you already pointed this out is whether you're being silent with yourself for 10 days on a retreat or whether you're pushing yourself to walk 14,000 miles or, you know, propel yourself with, you know, with your own body, 14,000 miles. It's all about learning how to negotiate with the discomfort inside of your body and inside of your emotions because they, they go together. Right. And the more that you gain regulatory control over those things, the more at peace you can be with regard whatever situation that you're in. Exactly. Yeah. And like, and you had, you had sort of this added element of a brain injury that was creating a pressure on the re that regulatory system, both physically and emotionally, that just in order for you to live period, you had to figure it out. But that in through that discovery, you're like, ah, like I should have been doing this all along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Could have used that before I got into the car accident might have turned out differently. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so, that's so fascinating how it's all like, the tools are the same. Like Katie says this a lot, like the tools of resiliency are the same, whether it's just getting over, like not getting what you wanted for breakfast today, or whether it's like a really big loss that you're suffering or a big disappointment. Yeah. It's just what, how much you flex and what you got to do. Laura hears that from me all the time. <laughs> do you ever have people say, because um, I know I face it, do you ever have people who th think that you're going out, like going out into nature or doing the PCT or doing whatever? Do you do have people ever tell you that like you're running from stuff versus, because I know that I face that. And for me, it's people, it's then I always am like, well, look at why, are, 
because there are, I mean, obviously there's things that some people can drink, some people can't. Like for some people, something is a run. And and how do you explain yourself there? Because for people listening that are trying to find ways for resiliency, I think nature is the top thing. Like that, it, there's, I can't go into nature and come out worse ever, no matter what. Um, and so I'm just curious how you would, for the people listening and stuff like that, how do you either quiet those not haters, you know, but like the people that think like, oh, you're just running, you're running from your problems, just stay home and deal with it. Cause there, you were, you were raised and you, I went to the woods. Like I talked to trees as, since a little kid and that's just where I went and people who don't understand it. So I'm just curious how you, um, how you explain that to other people. As you can imagine, I got a lot of mixed reviews when I tell people about this trip. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of some people think it's stupid. Some people think I'm running from my own issues. And whether they want to say it that way, that's kind of a cynical way to look at it, saying you're running after your own issues. But I don't very much take very much offense to that. But I do think that's part of the like part of the process. I'm out there to enjoy nature and everything, but it feeds me. It feeds me. Am I like actively like, oh, I'm so I need this. I need this. No, I just go out there and that is my... It just shows up. Exa- exactly, exactly. A lot of people are scared of this, this, this pain and looking at themselves. They, they, they themselves are the distracted ones. And the amount of people that... The, like the amount of middle, middle-aged men, thousands across the entire world that look at me with this gleam of boyish wonder at the around the world adventure like that they would have always dreamed of so haters gonna hate haters gonna hate ainers gonna ain't <laughs> I, I, like, I, like I like that, that. <laughs> oh man we'll have, we'll have to write that one down. it's a movie quote off something i forget <laughs> I have one last question. If we could, like, if Laura and I could, and all the people listening could do something tomorrow to step more into, like, the way of living, the way of being that you have embodied, what's something that we could do tomorrow to step into your way of resiliency or your way of life that you think would be a gift for all of us? So many people are stuck, including myself, kind of, right now, because I'm uh, beginning the adventure of writing a book to capture this, this experience. And for everybody that is feeling the same way, kind of stuck. I mean, it sounds kind of probably, probably redundant from what you, what you see a lot in in social media and whatever, but this way of doing things, these long experiences for me, this is like Vipassana times 10,000, a trip like that. And the value, the value is Vipassana times 10,000. So my advice for anybody is to what, what, what is your thing that may, whether it's sewing, knitting, painting, anything, and start seeing how you can plan your own adventure. It doesn't need to be extremely outward going across the world. It's not even possible these days. And who knows, it might not even be possible in this lifetime. Yeah, dream big and create a longer goal to keep yourself maintained so you can kind of keep your flow going. Like I said earlier, this momentum is everything. 
let there be a planning stage. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Start right now. Take your time. Start whatever, looking at destinations you want to go to or, and how you can integrate your passion into that. Because I don't think everybody needs to go around the world. That's not, that's not the same thing, but I do. I mean, having a big long-term goal is huge. I agree. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then that goal comes to an end and then you're like, Oh man, (laughs) there's a little grieving period. Yeah. Then you find the next thing and then you like keep applying those same tools. I get, I, I, as a, as a long distance endurance coach and adventurer extraordinaire, I, I know that process very well of like the, the highs of achieving and the, and like, and then you're like, now what my, my goal is gone. And then you put, you find the next thing and it is just propels you like bigger, stronger, uh, even like, and I'm even finding like all of these skills that I learned running, running big races or like pushing my body to the limit is even helping me as I'm getting older. And, you know, I don't look, when I look in the mirror, I don't see that same face that I did 20 years ago. Cause we don't look our age, Laura. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shush. But you know what I mean? Like I get more comfortable, like, I, you know, it, it's like a mindset of, of just like looking at what is and like being able to apply all of the same emotional regulation tools are like being okay with discomfort, leaning in, learning something, figuring the next thing out. You know, I, I, it's so true. Like just starting those long journeys. And also with, with this operate out of your heart when you're planning this stuff, operate out of your heart and not, and yeah, not all these things going on in your head because if you, if you operate out of your heart, and you have the confidence and the boundaries within yourself to do that, you can free so much more room to live these adventures. If you're not happy where you are, maybe you need to make some, make some changes. Like this is a great opportunity that we're in right now to transition for anybody. And I think a lot of people are realizing that. And in that transition, just a reminder to listen, listen to your heart, listen to your heart. How do you feel on the inside? How do you feel within your family, friends, relationship, career path, anything? Is it, is it resonating with you? Do you need change? Are you scared of change? Really start asking yourself these hard stuff. It's hard, but I mean, it's really valuable. So I adore you. I'm so, I love this. I adore you too. Thank you so much. You. And now it's time to play a game. And now it's time to play a game. <laughs> You're going to love this game. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's a very simple game and it happens kind of fast, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to pick a color and then, and I know that you said you're out somewhere. So just if you need to think of something and have that image instead of grabbing something, totally cool. Um, I'm going to give us 30 seconds. I'm going to say the color and you're going to find something or think of something uh, that that color uh, that's like in, in your space or in your world and then share it. Just, we're all going to share about each thing. Yeah. Um, just to get to know each other without, yeah, it can be anything. Right. So the color is golden. Go. Laura, you go first. I'm here too. All right. So my thing that I grabbed that had gold on it, there was a DVD pack of the entire, um, Lord of the Rings fellowship of the ring special extended DVD edition right here. And it was on my um, bookshelf behind my desk, but I didn't put it there. Josh put it there. It is his. Um, But I feel like it's perfect, right? 
little, like what a find since we've been talking about New Zealand and it was filmed in New Zealand. We've been talking about long, arduous, epic adventures. My you know, precious. <laughs> and, and like the potentially complicate relationships. Like, yep. <laughs> I feel like I just have to grab. Did, the, the did you just compare world. his ex to Smeagol? <laughs> no. Oh. Could have been Sam. Could have been Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> Big feet. I don't know. Like they walked a lot. It was. It was it was a thing. So. <laughs> Perfect. All right. What do you have, Tyler? Oh, well, seeing as I'm at an empty bar. Nice. Oh, nice. Kahlua ball with a gold. It's got a golden label. I don't know if that's original color or not. For me, it's that I don't drink anymore. I've had maybe in the last three years, maybe a dozen drinks. And Kahlua any other type of alcohol one one huge thing i learned throughout this entire trip is how much better this world would be without alcohol i'll give that an applause yeah i, I don't know if i need to explain myself for that but nope, being, I don't think so. yeah exactly here is mine and i i was actually said golden because i was gonna just grab the dog because i didn't know what to do i was thinking so much and then i realized that my dad's been making fun of me because i have my sound bowl with all the gold, golden color around it. And then all my <laughs> crystals. And my dad's like, okay. And then um, <laughs> and Rebel got the sample wand. So it's all chewed up. Um, on cue. There he is. It's because I hit this. I just made the noise Somebody in my, my stage. And so <laughs> yeah. um, a huge part just in it, in it is there. And we've had it in the back of the minivan, which, which Sage is like an intense smell anyway. But when you have two dogs and two grown adults sleeping in the back of a little minivan, um, one of <laughs> two of who are like a father and daughter, and it's weird. But I'm like, no, we need to sage the place. And we, <laughs> that's like, all right. And he's put up with everything. But to do the meditation and to like letting me guide him in breath work and doing breath work practices every day and stuff has been super cool. So while I don't have a lot of belongings with me, I do have this all the time. Travel with me. And it makes me also go back and think about the silence retreat and stuff. So it, it tied in without even trying to. Nice. I like it. Well, thank you for playing our game with us. And thank you so much for... So before we get into our last segment, which is our goodbye segment, where can the people who want to be like Katie and follow you on the internet, where can they find you? Soon to be author... Oh, current adventurer. Pretty much Wanderwood 18. W-A-N-D-E-R Wood 18. Across all platforms, Facebook, Instagram. That's that's really all you need to know. Yeah, and to look out for your book. Exactly. Right now, I have a very, very, very lofty goal. If it works out, I'm going to get a uh, little, little private cabin for the winter up in Mesa, Colorado. Super small town, place where I can really, really get after writing. Um, I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. So you're the only person I'm, I'm not like, is he really going to write the book? I'm like, it's coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a lofty goal of finishing it by the end of April. So, and with a, with, a, with a, an award for making it on time, I get to circumnavigate the United States by bike. Nice. Excellent. Approved. 
Well, we are going to be wishing you the best of luck and hoping that means that you'll roll through wherever we find ourselves at that time as well. I can't wait. <laughs> we can say hi. <laughs> so our final segment is appropriately named Get Out of Here. With a Boston accent. The question that we're all three of us going to answer is if you could walk out the door and get out of here to any fantasy world out there. So like from a book, a movie, uh, you know, made up, made up land when you were a kid, where would you go? And like TV shows are inbounds, like basically fictional world for any reason. Laura, you go first. Ah, you put me on the hot spot. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I was like, Tyler, um, I need more time. Laura, go. <laughs> Laura, go. Um, well, you know what? Since I was just like holding the Lord of the Rings book, like DVD and been climbing around on rocks. I I think I would go post adventure, post ring in the fire, Lord of the Rings world. I don't need evil coming knocking on my door. I've had enough of that. Like enough, enough of that. But I would like the post, I want to be at the celebration at the end of all of the adventures, right? I want to be like, everything's good. The good guys won. Everyone can hang out together again. We can all go to the party and sit with our relatives. We can all get on a boat and not have to worry about anybody who else is on the boat, what what they might have. We can get on the boat and go to the go to the land. Like sounds good to me. I want that part of that fantasy world. That sounds awesome. Tyler, where would you go? I'm not really ready yet, Katie. Are you ready? <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be gonna be a repeat but it's what i'm what i'm feeling punky brewster punky brewster huh he, you don't know her it's okay <laughs> i'll send you some clips on of her on youtube she's a girl and she was abandoned by her mother at the supermarket and then she had a golden retriever and then she found herself in this building that henry warnemont was <laughs> i'm going too deep she's awesome and the song's like every time she turns around I see a girl that turns my world around stand in there and she wears funky colors and rainbow and she's so fun. And I was her for Halloween. It's a TV show from the eighties. If you didn't catch that from the explanation, it's a TV. It's a kid's TV show from the eighties that we both watched religiously as children. Also, um, everyone I've ever dated has watched season one, two and three on my DVDs because not all of them know it because the age range has been big. (laughs) And so I've had to put them I've had to teach him. She's my jam, but she just she just lives and like just creates. She believes in infinite possibilities and she doesn't see like no. She doesn't see a no. She just sees a new way to get there. There's like there's not a block. It's just I have to do it differently. She doesn't have a family and she just creates her new reality. And I love that about her. And I love that she's so playful. Okay, go. So mine... Well, I'm uh, before it was Colorado. I'm in Colorado right now, which is awesome. Yeah, now I would say I'm looking back as well, Katie. I'm looking back. Um, I would say I would like to go to back to Cuenca, Ecuador, and Ecuador in general. This is one of my favorite countries throughout the entire trip through Colombia and Ecuador and Peru. There's just such an incredible culture of young travelers seeking real growth real growth not not maybe a lot of the um what i view as superficial uh travel that a lot of people like the backpacking europe backpacking 
drinking in Europe thing. Yep, yep. And there, there, I was surrounded by such a great atmosphere of people that were very much on the path, perhaps more than I've ever been surrounded by in my entire life. And that, for me, reaped a lot of lot of self discovery and growth. And that could only freaking multiply more and more and more and more if I spent more time there. So I guess uh, that would be my place I would go. All right. Well, it is time for us to actually get out of here. Uh, we are so, so thankful that you spent this time with us today. And um, we look forward to following your next adventures. Yeah, I'll continue to stalk. She'll start stalking. Awesome. I'm super grateful you guys uh, got me on here. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Love you guys. All the love. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us that sweet five-star review. It helps people find us and makes our hearts ever so happy. You can follow me, Laura Ingalls, at LJ Ingalls on Instagram and Twitter. And me, Katie Lasky, at Katie Lovebomb on Instagram. Or follow the pod at Rad Resilient Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And check us out on the web at RadicalResiliencePodcast.com. However you find us out there in this virtual world, know that we are so glad you're here. We love you and we'll see you next week.